And speaking of God-breathed, I want to read from our scripture. We have Revelation chapter 21, verses 1 through 6a, and it reads, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the former heaven and the former earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. I saw the holy city, new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, made ready as a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. I heard a loud voice from the throne say, Look, God's dwelling is here with humankind. He will dwell with them and they will be his peoples. God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Death will be no more. There will be no mourning, crying, or pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. Then the one seated on the throne said, Look, I am making all things new. He also said, Write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. Then he said to me, All is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. The word of God for the people of God, and we say together, Thanks be to God. Please pray with me and please pray for me. Almighty God, I thank you for this time that we have together to be reminded of our truth, that we belong to you and to you alone, that we only discover who we are as we seek you to live as you intended us to live. So I ask you now to speak to us, to guide us, to speak through me in spite of me, and that we may hear you in spite of ourselves. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable and pleasing to you, Lord, for you alone are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. So, how many in here have ever been in love? Some have been in love. Or how many of you have been so excited about something that you just couldn't contain yourself? And sometimes that kind of looks like the same thing, right? And we act a little goofy when we get excited. Something I really enjoy and love and frankly am kind of goofy about is the Bible. And I know that sounds like such a cliche thing a pastor would say. But I'll tell you, very few have fought against their calling as much as I did because mainly it was out of the attitude of, you want me? Do you know me? Do you know how stubborn I am? You want to use me? Are you sure? And I spent years wrestling with that. And I, I remember one day as I was reading a commentary for fun because I'd bought a collection of them. Okay, a couple collections of them. And someone said, you know, Joe, that's just not normal to read commentaries for fun. And it was through those kinds of thoughts I thought, okay, okay, maybe, maybe I'm called to this. I love to teach and learn and study and understand, and it continues to present itself in new ways all the time, and I love it. And I can even get goofy about it, and sometimes Lauren will say, slow down, just slow down. You're talking too fast. I get really excited up here because I'm, I'm excited about what I discover, and I want to share it, and I try to limit my caffeine intake so that I can communicate it in a good way. Some days are more successful than others. 
We have a reading from our revelator, as I call him. It's one of the greatest visions we could picture. The new Jerusalem coming down from the heavens, which is another word for sky, coming down to the earth from God, being presented as a marriage partner to their partner, beautifully adorned, ready for this kind of union. And then in this union, all the things that we struggle with and wish would go away will go away. And it's quite an image, isn't it? Our, our focus today is hope. Is there a better hope? Is there a better hope than that one day our pain, our mourning, our crying, our death will be no more? What will life even be like? What will life be like when we all agree? We don't get an image of that very often, do we? We see a new heaven and a new earth. They're new. And then this really interesting detail, and that's what I want to spend some time with this morning, is we have this great image, but if you consider the words, the words go beyond a picture. As uh, our study in Revelation, we've been reciting and repeating that the Bible doesn't always mean what it says. It doesn't. But it always means what it means. That makes sense. The city is like a bride. That means something. The sea is no more. That means something. And I want to talk about it because it's a little foreign to our understanding. This is not a small detail. Uh, and to understand the sea, I want to go all the way back to the beginning, okay? Because we're, we're, we're dealing with the beginning and the end. So let's start at the beginning. And the first words of the Bible are, in the beginning. And God creates. And this creation is what? good. It's good. It's good. It's good. It's good. It's very good, in fact, according to the poem. Now, this, this particular creation story starts with the sea. Darkness, formless, void, and the Spirit of God hovers. And then God speaks and creates order out of the chaos. Okay, The sea represents chaos, and it's clear throughout Scripture that is a biblical thought of the early people. Sea is chaotic. They don't like the sea. It's frightening. Anyone that controls the sea has cosmic divine power. God is the only one who controls the sea until Jesus. We'll get to that in a minute. So creation one is told in a very interesting way. There's day one, two, and three, which are all about dividing things. And then there are days four, five, and six, which are all about populating. And day one and four are partners. And day two and five are partners. And day three and six are partners. And here's how it works. Day one, what did God create? Light. And made night and day. Light separated night and day. Very good. And on day four, what was created? Sun, moon, and stars fills in the night and the day. Day two, what was divided? It's always tricky. Yeah, the waters above and the waters below were separated to create a dome, to create an expanse that we call sky. And then what did God create on the partner day, day five? Birds and fish, yeah. And then on day three, God divided or gathered together the water and revealed land. So now you have water and land divided, and earth and veg vegetation is included with earth. And then on day six, what's created? Insects, cows, duck-billed platypuses, and people. I'm just, you know God has a sense of humor. 
and it's populated. And then the seventh day, God creates rest. And the seventh day never ends. You can go look it up. We'll get to that another time too. The sea has been ordered. Chaos has been set in place, not in the picture of what God sought to create. And then we said, forget your order, God. We're going to do it our way. We're going to know good from evil. We're going to play the judge. We don't need you. And what happens when we ignore God's order? Chaos. Chaos. Until one day, chaos flooded the whole earth. And then God renewed it. And then God started with people to be a temple. Now, this is the thing. Genesis 1 was written after the exile. I know it comes first in our Bible because it's the beginning. But it was written later, and it's written in this seven-day increment because it's, it's putting ritual into place. It's putting Sabbath into place for the people of Israel, remembering who they were. And most importantly, the way that creation is presented is the same way that you consecrate a temple. Creation is a temple. And what is unique about a temple? That is where God dwells. That is where God is present. And when we let the chaos back in, we then wonder, why is God not ordering things? Well, it's because we don't order things. It was meant to be a temple, everything. And we said no. But then Moses was chosen to lead the people through the sea, through a great display of power over the sea, and birthed a new people with a new hope to be a new chosen people to create a new temple in a new city called Jerusalem. And then that was their purpose, to be gods. But they said, eh, we got other ways, just like everybody always does, just like I have and you have, and we do. Amen? So then Jesus came. God said, I'll come down to you in flesh. I will marry together the divine, the heavenly divine, and the earth into one. I will make the word into flesh with the purpose of making you all temples, making the church a temple. And so we consider where God dwells with us today and where it is we fit in. And if we think about the order that God made, God wants to bring life and light and companionship between human to human. Partnership with God, are these, at the core being of what you're looking for, are these not it? Aren't you looking for more life? Aren't you looking for more connection? Everybody is, you know, if they're really honest. Everyone's looking for these things. But there are other stories out there. So, we, we understand our faith as not abandoning this good creation. We're not trying to leave. The end story is the holy city coming to the earth to make the earth and the heaven new and to marry them together into one as a bride adorned for her husband. And this is what I want us to hang on to. We're engaged. We're engaged. God has proposed to us, if we stay with the image, and said, I want you to be one with me. And if you've been baptized, you've said, yes. And where we don't put on a ring, we put on new clothes, don't we? A new identity. Some people take on a new name. 
and we say yes, and then we live as if the marriage is already happening. In everything that we do, we are to be faithful in all that we are to God. And if we're being faithful to God, are we not being faithful to one another? Now, the thing is, as great and beautiful and good as the beginning is, and as amazing and as much as I can't wait for that glorious day, we're in the middle, aren't we? The sea is still here. Chaos still stirs around us and invites us into it. And we are to be faithful. Now, we know how the story begins. We know how it ends. All we need to do is understand, embrace, and accept that God wishes for nothing more than to make you a temple, to dwell in you. To follow the good news that Jesus announces again and again in the gospel. Here's the good news as Jesus defines it. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe this good news. The Holy Spirit ignites us with hope, and we have that hope of the new future and actually brings that reality into us now, and it's mysterious, and I can't explain it with any theological mastery, but I know it's true. Have you felt it? Have you felt this hope? If not, maybe today is the day to say yes once again. When we say yes, we become citizens of both what will be and what is. We experience the heavenly reality in our hearts, and we still face a time of crying, mourning, and death, and of the other candidate winning. Okay, we all face that. But the Holy Spirit dwells with us now. And God will dwell with us on that day, and all the tears will be wiped away, and everything will be made new. Isn't our faith beautiful? We live on what hasn't, but then already has at the same time. And that's why this faith seems foolish to some. So if alpha is A, if omega is our Z, just letters in the Hebrew alphabet, then we're in the middle, and our job is to say yes and to move forward, whatever that looks like. Do we know the ending? Should we, should we fuss and stress if this step really hurts and seems like not good? Do we let it overcome us? Do we get drowned in the sea? No. We keep going, and we say yes to God. God's ways was revealed through Jesus Christ. It is testified to us by the Holy Spirit through the church. And sometimes I say, really? Us? God says, yep. Yep. So every day and every moment, let us walk forward knowing that's already done. Knowing that the image of God is already in every single person who has ever walked the earth. They can say no, but it doesn't change the fact that the image of God is there. Many of us, we don't really know what to do with creation, but let us know that it will be redeemed and God chooses us to redeem it. We don't redeem it, God works through us. So, Live now as if the glorious day has already come. It is a divine guarantee, you know. And we can depend upon this, and we can experience the indwelling of God now, and we are going to honor our saints today. These saints are people that we 
had in our lives that worked for us? Can you all think of people who worked for you, who gave of themselves so deeply and completely that said yes to the covenant relationship with God and blessed you just by their presence and the seeds that they planted? But the times that they said no to themselves and they said yes to you because that's what it is to say yes to God, we're going to honor them. So in a moment, uh, I'll explain now so that later we'll go right into it, but we'll have candles here and up here. Um, we're going to light candles for the members that we've lost, and we'll have candles here that when you come to take communion, if you wish to have a candle lit in honor of someone that you honor as a saint that blessed you, then you may do that, and we'll have a volunteer to help with the lighter because lighter fights back, doesn't it? Um, but let us think about what it means for that light to be within us. Are we going to say yes today? Are we going to say yes when we don't want to? Are we going to say yes when the chaos seems pretty, pretty good? When we want division and anger and violence? Let's take a breath and let us pray. Lord, we, we worship you with our mouths. And we try as hard as we can to worship you with our hearts, with our souls, with our minds, and with our strength. And how, how monumental our fall can be sometimes, but how much more, abundantly more, your love and forgiveness is. <coughs> be with us now and remind us where you dwell. Remind us where the story ends, that we cannot get weighed down on where the story is at the moment in our lives. Lord, we just lift this time up as we move into prayer, as we sing, as we commune, as we remember. Speak to us. Amen.